two very special guests, Mona Alexis Presley, and of course, the freight train, Mr. Jim Fetzer. How are both of you this evening? Ladies first. I'm doing fine. Thank you, Michael. How are you doing? I can't complain. I'm doing great. Glad to hear you on the line and glad to hear Jim on the line as well. Always great to be back with you again, my friend. I enjoy our interview so very much, and I'm particularly delighted to be here with Mona, who is, in my opinion, an exceptional investigator. Uh, she did sensational work in relation to Sandy Hook and discovering that while most of the kids were fictions made up of older kids' photographs when they were younger, Mona discovered reasons to believe some of the Sandy Hook parents were so cynical as to use photographs of themselves when they were children to be the deceased victims of the mass shooting, which was in fact a two-day FEMA drill, a mass casualty exercise involving children. And as though that could be topped in relation to Las Vegas, Mona did extensive research on the around 50 who were supposed to have died there and discovered that their obits were based on persons who died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death. How bad is that, Michael? That's pretty wild. And I have talked to Mona on the Patreon series before, and both of you will be on there now as we have this conversation. But uh, Mona, can you remind uh, myself and the listeners how you first heard of Jim Fetzer? Um, well, during, uh, while I was investigating 9-11, uh, about 2009 or 10, um, I just, I watched his 9-11, um, um, broadcast or whatever they had, you know, whatever he had going, whatever I could find of Dr. Fetzer's, I'd watch during 9-11 and then Sandy Hook happened and I got disinterested in 9-11 because my time was consumed with researching Sandy Hook. And then I heard that Dr. Fetzer was thinking the same thing I was, and that's basically how it all started. I talked to him for the first time um, in 2017 after Las, the Las Vegas shooting. Right. Oh yes. Was that the first? Was that the first we spoke, Mona? I can't recall when was our first conversation. Yeah, it was after the Las Vegas shooting. Yeah, Before well, that, you, you, you just proved to be so brilliant at doing this archival research. I've been so impressed with you. And, of course, I founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth, so I bet 
if you ran across my stuff, it was in relation to that. And of course, when Alex Jones had his American Scholars Conference in Los Angeles in June of 2006, invited me to be the keynote speaker. And when uh, C-SPAN covered the panel discussion on Sunday morning, all four of the speakers, Stephen Jones, a physicist from BYU, Bob Bowman, an Air Force ace, but who has a degree in nuclear engineering from Caltech and was a scientific advisor on Star Wars to several presidents, Webster Tarpley, the author of Synthetic Terror Made in the USA, and myself as the founder of Scholars. We all four of the panel members were members of Scholars for 9-11 Truth. So that was really uh, a wonderful event. I think that was getting pretty close to the high water mark for 9-11 research. Right. But I didn't come in until 2010 with architects and engineers. So uh, that, that was my wake-up period. And you know, you know me, I'm always catching up to all of your work. <laughs> you do so many videos and you have the energy of a 20-year-old. Well, you just do terrific work, Mona. I'm just real tickled that we're on with Michael together because he, he may be my favorite host. I love that, by the way. Yeah. I, yeah. He's, he's and great. I do a lot of shows, Michael. I know you do. The check will be in the mail, by the way. <laughs> well, I could use it for my legal defense fund. Oh, so, my. You know, I would take it. I would take it. <laughs> well, yes. Now that you mentioned the gym, I know you did have an update. And the last time we talked, you didn't really have a chance to really go over the current lawsuit and the fallout and all the mess that brings. Well, I should say, all the mess that it brings to the table. Well, there were a lot of oddities uh, with my case. Uh, uh, there are aspects I'm not allowed to address because of a court directive. Sure, sure. But let me just say, there were violations of the procedures for summary judgment. I wasn't allowed to present my defense. All the massive evidence I'd put together that oh, nobody died at Sandy Hook but only to focus on a specific document. I had two experts uh, on documents who agreed with me, uh, and yet the court simply set them aside as somebody else's opinion. By my understanding, the judge, in rendering a summary judgment, which turned out to be inappropriate for a defamation case, as even first-year students of law understand, uh, he is supposed to adopt all of my arguments as the defendant to make a decision as to whether there would be anything that would inhibit him making a summary judgment, which is supposed to be only permissible if there are no disputed facts in this case, but where the authenticity of this document was very much in dispute. And then he went ahead and just set the experts' opinions aside as somebody else's opinion and ruled in favor of the plaintiff. I mean, it was really, truly outrageous. Uh, and then in my effort to expose it, the party who came and testified gave a video deposition under the name of Leonard Posner, who was one of the purported Sandy Hook parents, did not appear to be Leonard Posner. He's at least 20 years younger and 100 pounds lighter. And uh, they made the, uh, the video deposition confidential, especially because of the image. And as I explained to the court, why in the world is that reasonable, given this man's image has appeared millions of times all over the world already in the past, unless it's not the same guy? 
but the court wouldn't, uh, you know, see give me any opportunity, not even a window to pursue these issues and uh, was very severe in coming down against me. So, of course, I was doing the whole thing pro se, meaning on my own through the summary judgment, but I did have the benefit of obtaining a very good appellate attorney thereafter. However, regrettably, our appeal to the Court of Appeals was turned down, and then a motion for reconsideration was turned down in what I imagine was record order. So now I'm preparing a pitch for the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So that's where it stands, Michael. Let me just add, if anyone uh, you oh, wow. know, believes in the First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, uh, something you might appreciate is if you go to False Flag Conspiracies 2020, Mona was among my speakers, falseflagconspiracies2020.com, all 24 presentations of the conference that I organized and moderated on the 5th and the 6th of December of 2020 are now available to the public for free, Michael. They're available for free. It's very easy. Go to falseflyconspiracies2020.com. In the upper right-hand corner, you can access the archives. You're asked to get personal information, nothing financial, just personal information so we know who's downloading the shows. And then you can, when you go to your cart, you can download all 24 or any subset thereof. They show up in your cart red, and you just click on them, and they download directly to your desktop. And if anyone were so inclined, there are also opportunities there to donate to my legal defense fund while you're visiting. Very good. Very, very good. I know we could spend a, a long time discussing Sandy Hook, but there are other troubling issues that are ongoing right now. Uh, we have uh, currently civil unrest that isn't really being covered uh, anywhere, Jim. Well, let me pick up on that, because I believe, uh, you know, <clears throat> the trial of uh, Derek Chauvin, right. of course, has been taking place. And the uh, prosecution, I think, has been having a difficult time for the reason that the defense is making any number of valuable points. We have experts on both sides, those presented by the defense that insist that he died from asphyxiation from the knee of Chauvin on the neck of George Floyd. However, it turns out that his knee wasn't actually on George Floyd's neck, such that the judges ruled they cannot say that the knee was on his neck, but only in the area of his neck. Not only that, but we have an alternative autopsy report that he died from an overdose of fentanyl, methamphetamines, cannabis, he had quite a few, quite a variety of drugs in his system. And the defense already worked in, and we're going to hear it more again during cross-examination of some of the prosecution witnesses. We have George Floyd saying, I ate too many drugs. And it appears what happened is when he was arrested, he was with his drug dealer, his source, where George would take you know a small quantity and then sell it on the street. And in order to avoid it falling into the hands of the police as evidence that could be used against him, he swallowed it. He swallowed the evidence. And, of course, among the effects of a drug overdose is your respiratory system tends to shut down. So he was saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe many times. He said it as many as 18 altogether, including... I think even before they put him or tried to put him in the squad car, certainly while he was in the squad car, after he was out of the squad car on the other side, 
So I think there's a tremendous uh, ambiguity here in the evidence that it's uh, roughly equal on both sides. In fact, I think by the time the defense is done, it'll be obvious that the explanation Mm -hmm. for what happened is not clear-cut. And what that means is that the jury, I believe, will be unable to conclude that he was guilty, which requires a unanimous verdict that he's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Because, Michael, what that means is no alternative explanation is reasonable. But the defense has already laid out a very reasonable alternative explanation that he died from a drug overdose and that the knee on the neck was purely coincidental, including that officers in the Minneapolis Police Department are instructed that that's the proper way to subdue a suspect, so that while the prosecution has witnesses claiming this was excessive force, the defense has witnesses saying, no, it was appropriate. And with that degree of uncertainty, since the evidence has not settled down one way or the other, I believe The jury, if it's following the law and the evidence, will be unable to convict and therefore will acquit. And of course, what that means is we're going to have all Black Lives Matter. They're already threatening to have these protests if they don't find him guilty of murder. But he wouldn't have been guilty of murder in any case, even though we have two of the three charges against him are second and third degree murder. Uh, The whole thing was a bit much from the beginning, in my opinion. I have more to say about it, but those are the basics. And where it's remarkable in terms of the timing that we have this purported shooting of this fellow Dante Rice in a suburb adjacent to Minneapolis by a police officer, a woman with 26 years experience who claims to have mistaken her taser or her handgun and shot him by mistake. Let me explain, Michael, Police officers carry their handgun on the side of their handedness. So if you're right-handed, you'd have your service weapon on the right. If you're left-handed, your service weapon on the left. And taser on the opposite side. Now, usually, tasers are colored yellow or orange, so it's really impossible to confuse them. But there's also a significant difference in the weight and feel of a taser versus the weight and feel of your handgun. When this woman says, uh, you know, goes to tase him, and it's after a very good-sized black officer somehow fumbles with the handcuffs and is unable to handcuff him, what I find peculiar in the extreme, and she says, tase, 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 and then purportedly shoots him, there is no sound of a shot. There's no recoil from the weapon. It doesn't automatically reload And her colleagues are just astonished and dumbfounded when she steps back and says, shit, I shot him. They say, really? Well, if she'd actually shot him, of course, you would have heard it. They would have all been aware. Not only that, but if she'd shot this Dante right at the angle, it would have caused massive internal injury because the bullets they have are soft nose. They expand. It would have done tremendous damage. He would have been unable to drive the car for a certainty. I expect he would have died on the scene. Instead, he drives off. So I believe this is one more in the long string of fake or staged shootings. Now, turning it over to Mona, um, what are your thoughts and opinions on uh, what we are discussing here? Well, I don't think this George Floyd thing happened. And as far as the police officer, um, 
using uh, pulling out a taser instead of a, a gun. I don't I don't believe that. No, that was that must have been staged too. I don't know. I haven't looked into that enough. But George Floyd, that definitely that was a setup. I mean, have you think that's a setup, that, Doctor Fetzer? I thought. Oh, of course, yeah, I think so. In fact, so, my, so my original impression, based on the earlier, where we have no video of him being taken out on the opposite side of the vehicle, where once you get a suspect into the squad car, that's a crucial part because then you take him to the precinct to be booked. There are a lot of oddities about the video, including that it shows a gas station across the street where diesel gasoline is at 99 cents, which I understand mm -hmm. hasn't been the case in Minneapolis since 1987. The police car has the word police on the license. That's very peculiar. Police cars have normal license plates. I mean, they're, they're official government, but they don't say police. That's like a vanity plate. And from my right. initial investigation, uh, it appeared to me that something very strange was going on because this George Floyd is a big guy. I mean, he's at least 6'3". He had hair on his head and he was manacled in the back when he was put in the squad car. And yet when we see Derek Chauvin kneeling on him, suddenly he's bald, no hair on his head, and his hands are in front of his body. And indeed, I have a video where you can see where he's lifted up to put on a gurney. He has no legs, where it appears they were using a Sigma-7 African-American training dummy uh, in lieu of a real person, George Floyd, which I even reported during the False Flag and Conspiracies Conference. Anyone can check it out. If they pick up, uh, you know, I made three presentations there. One was on Sandy Hook, my most recent review of the evidence there. Another was on the application of scientific reasoning to sort out these false flags and determine whether they're authentic or not. And then the third was entitled Deception Galore, where I not only talked about how Democrat candidates Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden have used body doubles during the debates. Hillary, when she debated Donald Trump, had a body double, younger, thinner, more attractive and healthy. They have a voice morphing system. So the voice was the same as Hillary's, but it was not Hillary Clinton. Even when she debated Donald Trump, it was Hillary's body double. Where I, do I have documented elsewhere in a, in a piece entitled Fake News Issues of Identity, how Hillary has used at least eight different body doubles. That's a good one, by the way, for those who want to exercise their minds in sorting these things out. The Biden, during the Biden debate, it was not, not the, uh, the two debates did not involve Joe Biden, the original, the senator from Delaware, but a body double. James Woods, the actor, was the first to notice he had brown eyes instead of blue. He has a thinner skull. His, his ear comes down and attaches directly to the skin, whereas Biden had lobes. In other words, they curl up when they come to the skin. Uh, in addition, uh, pharmacist has confirmed that the handwriting, the signature on these executive orders is not the same as Joe Biden from Delaware. Plus, he started writing them with his left hand, but then they realized Joe Biden was right and he had to switch. I also looked at the social interaction with Jill, and it's completely different. When Jill and Joe Biden were together, they'd be hand in hand, arm in arm. She'd be beaming. She absolutely adored the guy. And he'd have this 
shit-eating smile on his face when she's with a body double. They're not <laughs> hand in hand. Uh, she's oh, not my. beaming. She's looking rather concerned. Right. And he does not have a smile on his face. It's fairly stunning when you get into it, Michael. But in addition, then I show how they fake the uh, Jesse Smollett in Chicago event, the George Floyd in Minneapolis, and the Bubba Wallace in NASCAR. Understood. And I have to be honest here with both of you. You know, I, I've been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for over 10 years now. And, you know, I have driven my knee to the side of someone's neck and uh, pulled their head forward to, you know, create sort of chokehold. But, you know, when I saw the officer do that, uh, I didn't think he could really um, could really actually kill him by doing that without really bringing his sort of head towards his knee uh, to create that sort of pressure. Uh, I didn't I didn't think he could create that much pressure, enough pressure uh, to kill a man just by simply driving his knee uh, towards his neck that way from that angle. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I, I well, from the angle that I saw it and I'm just having a difficult time that he actually killed him that way. Well, you know, and you know, Michael, to confirm that, you have a major artery on both sides sure. of the neck. Sure, right. Carboroid artery. And, and, and kneeling on one doesn't cause the other to cease to function. Exactly. So it's pretty yeah. tough. Yeah. And I'll bet you when you perform this jiu-jitsu act, your target didn't lose his hair. No. Because if you look at mine, I <laughs> right. mean, he's completely bald, and it's because it's his training dummy. I mean, I show you the training dummy that appears to, you know, of the type that appears to have been used. And by the way, it's manufactured by a company in Minneapolis by the name of Sigma 7 that got out of town. They moved from Minneapolis immediately when the rioting and looting began to break off. By the way, I wanted to say this other event, this is alleged shooting of Dante Wright that I'm suggesting oh, yes. was not authentic, was in Brooklyn Center, which is a relatively near suburb to Minneapolis. So the proximity and timing is very close. The timing is incredible. It's just as the prosecution concludes its case, the judge, in what I regard as a very foolish decision, did not segregate and isolate the jury, which means they had access to the public news report, television, newspapers, radio. So they would have heard all of this. What I think is most significant, however, is that there was actually a massive law enforcement presence and they broke, you know, they cracked down on all the rioting and looting in this instance. I was very impressed. Uh, and, you know, that to me is a good sign. I would be willing to bet that the business owners in Brooklyn Center got a hold of the mayor and gave him a piece of their mind and said, if you don't get a handle on this, we're going to run you out of town on a rail because that would be completely appropriate. The fact that they cracked down, they declared it to be an unlawful assembly. They arrested more than 60 of these demonstrators. To me, signals maybe, just maybe, we're not going to have a lot more of this nonsense. But we know already that a Black Lives Matter spokesperson, actually a woman who turns was a model and was captured in a rather famous photograph down in Atlanta, posing in a striking fashion, has declared that the cities will burn if Derek Chauvin is not convicted of murder. And I think there's no way he can be convicted of murder. I mean, at the very worst, I would think it could be manslaughter, meaning unintentionally inflicting a death. 
But as I say, I don't believe they're going to be able to come to an agreement because there is not only one reasonable explanation. There are two. Right. And as long as as long as there are two, they are not going to be able to convict beyond a reasonable doubt. And here's another thing just to add to the conversation. For some odd reason in America, it seems like most people have these the notion that you have this sort of right to resist arrest. I'm not quite sure why people have that mindset, why they adopted that sort of mindset, but that that whole sort of logic of thinking uh, is plaguing America for some odd reason. Well, Would you mind repeating that, that, Michael? I got distracted. Sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, okay. go ahead. I was just saying for some odd reason here in America, it seems like the citizens are under, under the illusion, Jim, that they have the right to resist arrest. It's not an illusion. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, go ahead. it's freedom. We shouldn't be ruled under uh, the rule of a uh, a gun or, you know. I agree with fist. you there. Yes, but of Especially, course. Especially, you know, uh, oh, yes. law-abiding, you know, citizens who are nonviolent and sure. they're nonviolent towards the police should not be handled like that by the police. Well, if with that, I agree. You know. But, you know, out here, I live close to L.A., you know, I grew up. Not that someone told me that, but just by seeing what goes on, I always had the sort of feeling if you if you resist arrest, you're going to get a beating. That's kind of what I've always had the mindset of. Mm-hmm. Not everyone right. else has that mindset, but that's sort of it's always been in my mind watching uh, what goes on in L.A. with with people out here. Right. Right. I, I understand that. Yeah, I just don't think it's right. I don't think it's right either, I though. Think, it I doesn't it make it right, though. Yeah. I think and I think that's why the New World Order and the Democrats, who are really the communists, are um, taking over this country. Because, might be, you might um, be right, yes. Because of that reason, they're going to defund the police, bring in the you know their soldiers, and you know to take over this country to get us under you know their thumb or kill us or whatever their plan is. Right, and of course, it's not good that just recently body camera footage was a shown of a Chicago police officer shooting a 13-year-old boy. That That's never oh, good. Boy. Yeah, so bad timing all, all together, right, Jim? Yeah, I just worry about whether, you know, any of these shootings are authentic. I did have a very thorough coverage. I've got a law enforcement expert by the name of Danny Sirus, right? who actually went through this business with the in 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 Brooklyn Center shooting for Dante Wright and he sensitized me to the key features that were indicative it was a false flag and we had previously done a show together i think perhaps more than one talking about the boulder shooting at the grocery store where we had a citizen journalist who showed up and was videotaping the whole thing and it was peculiar from the beginning. There were a couple bodies lying, one at the bottom of the ramp for wheelchairs, another in the street, no blood whatsoever. There was a man at the door entry to the supermarket who was just casually texting. And he said, is, is, is there anyone else? And he just pointed his thumb inward and he stepped inside. And there's another body there with no blood, and he's the only one who's being alarmed and showing any anxiety or urgency, and he says, oh, my God, and then you hear two shots in the background that the this guy who's supposed to be the active shooter is still in the grocery store, 
except he's supposed to have used an AR-15, of course, but it actually, they sound like a handgun. They don't even sound like real shots. They sound like blanks. He runs around the whole building and finds there were two older persons, a man and a woman, behind the store with a grocery card, but none of them, uh, neither of them is showing any concern. He, he actually has about three hours of footage, but there's a 20-minute version where you then see this group of SWAT team officers there who, again, are not showing any sense of urgency. You would think it was tea time. What they do show concern with, for however, is getting him out of there. So, you know, five or six of these armed guys hassle him, and there's a woman who appears to be the director because this whole thing appears to be a stage, a set, just as Sandy Hook Elementary was a stage or a set for the non-existent mass shooting alleged to have occurred there. And they're very concerned to get him out of the area. They're showing far more concern about him than they are about the active shooter, where I think the explanation is obvious. The active shooter was fake, but his video was real, and it was blowing their cover. It's kind of unusual that all these shootings they all use an AR-15. I mean, everyone has an AR-15 now. Well, let me tell you the absurdity of that. There are, there are, the AR-15 is by far the most versatile all-around weapon. I fired gun. one about six months now. Sure. It's very lightweight. It's totally versatile. It would be perfect if you had a single weapon. But everyone, though, Jim. Every purpose. But, but everyone. But Michael, the overwhelming majority of murders in the United States are with handguns. The overwhelming majority of, of murders in the United States are blacks killing other blacks. You have more black-on-black uh, -black gun violence with handguns in Chicago on a typical weekend than you would have from all these fake shootings lots put together. Is yeah. that ridiculous? Yeah, lots of shootings out there in Chicago, like, every single day. It's ridiculous. Amona, what were you going to say? It's ridiculous. Right. And it's ridiculous it's because <laughs> this is a political phenomenon. In fact, it turns out you never hear it from the mainstream media, but Americans use guns to defend themselves from criminals millions of sure. times every year. In fact, right. the most recent estimate I saw had that they're saving around 200,000 American lives every year because Americans are able to defend themselves with guns. So if you take guns away from law-abiding citizens and they're no longer able to defend themselves, you can chalk up another 200,000 deaths to criminals because the Democrats are creating free fire zones where law-abiding citizens aren't allowed to pack. I mean, if you, if you just allowed concealed carry in Chicago and got rid of free fire zones, uh, gunfire violence would drop overnight precipitously. In fact, I have a colleague, Dr. Ewan, who maintains a fellowship of the Minds blog, who, like myself, is a retired professor who superimposed a 2016 electoral ma map over a, one, over a 2014 murder distribution map in all the areas where murders are most prevalent are controlled by the Democrats. So what we have is a governance problem, a policy problem, and the Democrats are the responsible agent because they are literally allowing this to happen, promoting it to happen, and actually adopting policies that encourage it. Right. And, of course, I did have an audio clip here to play of, I believe, Dan Bongino going uh, heads up against Geraldo Rivera. Yeah, I love it. Go ahead. Did That's you hear good. that, by the way? 
No, uh, no, I'd like uh, to hear it. I, I have just posted a story about it. I'm going to have it on my show tomorrow with a transcript and so forth. Geraldo has become such a shallow, insignificant person. He used to, when he was kind of a tabloid journalist, do a lot of good for the country because he'd deal with issues no one else would deal with. It was wonderful. When the O.J. Simpson trial was taking place, for example, he'd bring together legal experts to discuss every day of the trial. I recorded the whole bloody thing. I shot a whole sabbatical over the O.J. Simpson trial. But since Araldo went legitimate, he isn't worth a toot. The guy's useless. And his arguments here are pathetic. Go ahead, play it, Michael. I want to hear it. Here we go. Now, just because you weren't a police officer doesn't mean you can't comment on policing issues. I always hate when liberals... By the way, I hit pause. Mona, you can hear that, right? No. You can't hear that? No. Mm-mm. How about now? Say that about us. But, you know... Yep. All right, here we go. Whatever, going to dinner with a police CEO captain um, doesn't, uh, no, I'm not suggesting you are. I'm just saying that, you know, you oh, don't, don't understand Don't, don't start minimizing my oh, experience. Haroldo, can you shut up for two this. seconds? I'm a half a century uh, Listen, uh, Haroldo, well, I'm not, not, not when you, you just be quiet you try to second? undermine the foundation uh, of my Haroldo, tonight. Let him talk, then we'll let you guys go back and forth. I'm tired of this guy. He never shuts up. Dan, He's always got something to say. Go back to your statement. Go. Now, again, as I was saying, he's entitled to an opinion. He's not entitled to a certain set of facts. You don't know anything about actual policing if you haven't done it. Saying or suggesting, you know, you can relate to the experience of police officers. You can't. I'm not suggesting what happened yesterday wasn't a tragedy. It was, obviously. There's a dead young man who's never going to take another breath of oxygen again in his life. We don't have all the facts on this. We know she said taser. It appears appears to be a mistake and a fatal one. But we have a process for that. And just injecting race into this, Geraldo, which you do on these police issues constantly, when you have none of the data, you have no evidence whatsoever. There's You're a racial me the issue again. Don't you have an all. argument to make that at doesn't all. concern me? I'm not making you the issue. I'm responding to your dopey comments. You have no idea that there's a racial undertone to this at all. And you're saying, oh, black parents oh, have to really? worry because they're no black kids. You have no data undertone? to back that up at all. 20-year-old black You're kids? just further inflaming the situation. And the country will burn to the ground because of people like you who say dumb things like that with no evidence to back it up. How about people like you that don't credit the humanity of half the country? They are, they are running really? scared. And they're scared of cops. And it doesn't matter Why? that we love Why? cops. Why? Or that blue lives Why? matter. Or that they're the thin Why? line between civilization and anarchy. Why are they scared anarchy? of cops? What Stop matters? pontificating Why? Why? and produce some actual data. You're a reporter, right? Because here's Why a are they scared a of cops? Kid, a 20-year-old kid has an expired registration. He ends up dead in the, in the yeah, same town where George Floyd was asphyxiated by a brutal cop's knee on his neck. So by I mean, those incidents, you, see you as a reporter, you've ex- wait, wait, hold on. By those two here. incidents, you've extrapolated as a reporter data that every because black they were child in America apart. should be afraid of the police. And that's rational to you. That's rational? Explain talk that to, reason, talk to, the, talk to the mothers. Talk to the mothers of African Americans. See, you're doing the emotional you thing what again. Happened? You can't you produce think, facts. You think all of this you can spontaneous? Never produce facts. Do you think all of this ever. rage? All of this rage 
Black Lives Matter. You think that all this happened, blew, defund the police, all this happened because of some fanciful liberal notion? It didn't. It well, happened because... It would be not- By the way, I'm just hitting pause that I just wanted to quickly add. Wouldn't it be great to have these two have like a show together? No, Geraldo is so shallow. I cannot believe it. I mean, he's a totally insubstantial person. I I have seen him interviewed many times on these shows on Fox, and I've never heard him say one significant thing that was true. In other words, he said things that were true but were not significant, and he said things that were significant but were not true. I've yet to hear him say anything that was both significant and true. If you could actually produce some data to back any of this up, rather than citing a Marxist group like Black Lives Matter, who calls out for uh, when we want dead cops, when do we want them now? What what fact? What fact are you preaching about I just read on my show the other day a DOJ study where they actually interviewed victims, and the amount of police activity was proportional to the crime committed. had nothing to do with the race at all. Those are facts. You should try them sometime, rather than trying to burn the country down with your racial rhetoric due to this tragic accident yesterday. You you have no evidence to back it up. You... Your whole, you just don't your like that. You can never produce any to data. attack me. Your whole routine no. is to attack me rather yeah, than because dealing you're constantly with the fact wrong. that black people and it's, are and more it's fearful easy of to cops because you're than wrong. Yeah, because you're wrong. You don't actually have any data to back it up. I'm not attacking you. You're on a national show doing what you do, trying to incite some kind of racial uh, strife in the and country. And what are you trying you to have incite? no evidence to Who, back it up. I'm and on, you don't I'm like on it that I call News. you out. I'm on Fox News now. I submit to you that the majority of our audience agrees with you. And I don't care because I have to yeah, voice agree with for these people whose voices are not obviously not resonating with you. These people are fearful of cops. Why? Because there's a black kid. He's 20 years because old. Of you. And he has because an expired tag. Him to be. And he's dead now. Because of and you he's dead now. He's no, I actually was a boy. cop. And I know cops. And the people I work with, they have no reason to be fearful of. You had dinner with a cop once. It's not the same thing. We lost 100 <laughs> oh, cops. Geraldo, 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 we also lost 100 cops already this year. How many black people did we lose, Sean? Listen, I love cops. I've said it before. Excuse me. I'll say it again. You try to make me the issue because you... This is the best Every part, Jim. single human life from God is important. Let's all agree on the basics here. But when we can't. Every time a cop pulls somebody over, they don't know what they're going to face. Those are challenges. You know, that they all, did- those are challenges. Now, the bad cops need to be yeah. weeded out. Let me put up on the screen really quick here. I've been advocating for more training and advocating for non-lethal alternatives. I told you about this gun that I bought. It's called a burner. And the burner gun literally is pepper spray and tear gas, right? There's the, I, I, I'm a customer. I don't have any financial interest in it if you're wondering at home. This is an alternative for police. Instead of being close to somebody like with a taser, you can actually use it. I can hit, I'm a pretty good marksman. I can hit my target at 40 feet away. There's an alternative. The fact that we're not using technology is stupid. We need every cop to have alternatives like this in their arsenal so they don't always have that one option. All right, I got to get to some breaking news. Geraldo, thank you. Dan, thank you. And it's over. Let me throw in some statistics. I mean, jump in there. It was Bongino was all over Geraldo, who was, you know, he's. In my opinion, he's worthless. I have no nothing but contempt for Geraldo today. 
I used to think very highly of him because he would take these fringe issues that the mainstream was unwilling to discuss and create interesting programs by bringing in various experts, stuff that the the normal, you know, the, the ABC, the networks, New York Times wouldn't touch. But on this issue, he could not be more wrong. He's acting and speaking on the basis of anecdotal evidence. Here's some statistics. Murders of blacks and whites in the U.S. in 2013, for example, per one million members of the murderer's race. Blacks killed by blacks, around 55 per 100 million, 55. Uh, uh, whites killed by blacks, around 10. Whites killed by whites, slightly over 10. Blacks killed by whites, less than one, less than one. So there are 55 times more blacks killed by blacks than there are blacks killed by whites, and there are 10 times more whites killed by blacks than there are blacks killed by whites. I mean, it's just insulting. Here, here's another statistic for you. This is uh, New York City in 2014, crime statistics, arrests for violent crime, shooting, blacks, 75%, Latino, 22%. That's already 97% of the shootings are blacks and Latinos. Murder, 62% black, 32% Latino. That's already 94% of the murders, black or Latino. Rape, Latino, 46%, black, 43%. That's already 89% of the rapes. If New York City were all white, rapes would drop by 83%, murder by 91 shooting by 96 but all we ever hear about from Black Lives Matter is blacks killed by whites. Whereas I say, 55 times more blacks are killed by blacks than blacks are killed by whites, which is a very rare occurrence. But they're giving it massive publicity. This is the elementary fallacy known as special pleading, employed by used car salesmen and uh, propagandists and attorneys where they only give you the evidence favorable to their side and ignore all the rest. It's also known as the method of selection and elimination. Select the evidence favorable to your side and eliminate the rest. That's what's going on here. And we expect propagandists for Black Lives Matter and so forth to do it. We think that someone like Geraldo, who's a commentator on a major network, is uh, going to do better, but he falls short every single time. I tell you, I've had enough of Geraldo. I don't care if I never see him in any context whatsoever, because I know when he shows up, what he says is going to be superficial, shallow, and almost certainly false. Are you saying that you want to, like, flush him down a toilet, Jim? <laughs> Kind of like this. <laughs> so you want to do that to him, Jim? That's a, that's not fair. I mean, his opinions are worthless. And I'm telling you, he used to be an interesting guy. He used to make a difference. He no longer does. Since he went legit, he thinks he's big stuff. But he's really just a, an airhead. He's really a very insignificant person. I'm embarrassed whenever they have Geraldo on. And I thought Dan Bengino was very appropriate in going after him, hammer and tongs. Again, I feel like they deserve their own show together. That was good. Yeah, it was good. It was well, good TV. I think, I think they could... 
wouldn't, it wouldn't be, you, you wouldn't listen to it. Agenda. Yeah, Mona, your, your thoughts about all of the above. <laughs> yeah, Mona, go ahead. They all have, they all have an agenda. You know, that's why they're, they sound either stupid or smart or, you know, charismatic. Um, they have an agenda. Absolutely. And you have to find out what agenda they're going after to find out where they're coming from. Right. I agree. Everyone unless, does have their agenda. too much of being a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> no, I think you're correct. You know, Everyone but, that yeah. you see on TV has the, every network you see on television. They all have their own narratives. Go ahead, Jim. Well, after Marjorie Taylor Greene was targeted for removal from Congress, which was outrageous on its face, I took a look at all the charges against her. There were about seven or eight issues. And I published a blog about it. And on every single one of the issues, Marjorie Taylor Greene was in the right and her critics were in the wrong. It was such an egregious act for the majority of Congress of one party to try to get rid of a member of the minority party that Pelosi had to call an end to it, not allow it to happen. It would have been just so stunningly, blatantly political. But it inspired me to write a subsequent blog. Uh, Conspiracy theorists are investigating crimes. That's why they want to suppress us. You talk about conspiracy mm-hmm. theories. We should all be conspiracy theorists because we should all want to get to the heart of the matter. What really happened? Who was really responsible? Whether it's JFK, 9-11, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, Orlando, Dallas, Charlottesville, Parkland, Las Vegas. Every one of us ought to be a conspiracy theorist. And I've been doing my best to establish the case for why that is so. I introduce the alternative notions of conspiracy analysts and conspiracy realists, and Mona used that as her own designation for a couple of blogs she authored that I published at jamesfetzer.org. Very nice. And earlier I mentioned uh, the Chicago police shooting of a 13-year-old. His name is Adam Toledo. Uh, For anyone curious, you can look that video up right now. It's very easy to find. Um, obviously we don't have video of that to show anyone, but very easy to find. And Jim, I, I definitely but, want you to look that up yourself whenever you have time and see. But Michael, but Michael Chumper killed in Chicago. All the time. Chumper killed in Chicago every <laughs> yeah. single day. Every I second, mean, it seems. Yeah. There's nothing unusual about it. They're just trying to hype it for emotional effect. Right. Right now what they're saying, though, is that, you know, he threw a gun and uh, he was unarmed and that's why he got shot. Well, he was either unarmed or not. He can't have drawn a gun if he didn't, if he wasn't armed. So was he armed or was he unarmed? And was he shot by a cop? Is that the deal? And was it a white cop? I'm not sure if he's a white officer, but um, either way, a 13-year-old is gone and everyone's upset now. Daily occurrence in Chicago. Michael, 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 you pick any age, you're going to find they're killed in Chicago on a weekly basis. Right. You know, this is all just uh, politics. Oh, yes. If they wanted to get rid of gun crime in Chicago, then get rid of the free fire zones and allow law-abiding citizens to conceal carry and the gun crime would be cut in half overnight. Go ahead, Mona. Um, If they're going to report on shootings, they, they need to report on all shootings to give the public a better um, view of what, you know, of what's going on in the country instead of just picking out one shooting for, uh, to, you know, to get us fighting amongst each other racially. Right. And that's one of the reasons why the media uh, held back 
releasing that footage of George Floyd initially. I, yeah. I never, I, I got, recently saw that video. You recently saw I, it? Is I, that what you said? There was a video like that. And ah. when, when I looked, when I watched the video, it, it seemed like an older video. I mean, I looked at George Floyd's clothes. It looked like they came from the 80s. Something was really, yeah, something was really wrong. I mean, when you got 99 cents a gallon for diesel, and it's mm-hmm. right there in the yeah. video. Like it was from the 80s, right. There we go. Yeah. Oh, there's something very damn strange going on here. I got a good one for both of you. You've probably not seen this story yet, but it's going to be out there. It's only been out for a few hours. Yeah, go ahead. Bombshell report reveals Capitol Police were ordered to stand down on January 6th. Who made the call? In a new report, the New York Times stated that Capitol Police were told to stand down during the January 6th riot at the Capitol. According to a 104-page document obtained by investigators, leaders were warned of the pre-planned violence, but instead of being proactive, officers were told to stand down and allow the riot to happen. And the question remains, who made the call? Well, I can tell you who made the call. Because she's in charge of the Capitol Police. It was the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. She wanted to have this phony event she could claim was an attempt to disrupt the counting of the electoral votes, when actually what was going on at the time was a discussion of evidence of vote fraud, of the theft of the election. Donald Trump wanted that discussion of the theft of the election. His supporters weren't even at the Capitol building when this took place. We also have... uh, James Sullivan, the brother of John, who's a well-known Antifa leader, asserting that his brother led 226 Antifa members into the Capitol dressed as Trump supporters. This was a Nancy Pelosi stunt to try to trash Trump supporters, and, and look how they have milked it again and again. There's an interesting paragraph at the end of this story. Get this. The report offers the most devastating account to date of the lapses and miscalculations around the most violent attack on the Capitol in two centuries. A couple of months ago, the mainstream media thought the idea that the Capitol Police let protesters into the Capitol building was a conspiracy theory. But now they're reporting it as truth three months too late. And I reiterate, this story is in the New York Times. That's pretty stunning all by itself. Yeah, I've even heard about that. That's why I'm telling you, just just come out, Michael. You'll be hearing about it tomorrow. Wow. Yeah, hopefully that's not the case, that they allowed this to sort of happen. Well, of course, of course they allowed they it to happen, but you knew that. I mean, the whole thing was staged. It was to tarnish Trump supporters and disrupt the discussion of the theft of the election. Trump was speaking until one eleven. These events were taking place long before, as early as 12.45. They were already calling for police reinforcements, and Trump people weren't even there yet. As I said nobody that. Goes, nobody who goes to a Trump rally leaves while Trump is speaking. As and I said it was that, a mile and a half, mile and a half away. By the way, Jim, as I said that, I was throwing the quotations in the air. Ah, <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, and very interesting. Remember, we remember when the police let the protesters in. They they just let them right in. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, there's Here's even audio. The it says the Capitol Police oh. had clear advance warnings about the January 6th attack that were previously known, including the potential for violence in which Congress itself is the target. Yeah, there's and audio and video of that. Instructed by their leaders not to use their most aggressive tactics to hold off the mob. 
according to a scathing new report by the agency's internal investigator, a 104-page document. In the 104-page document, the Inspector General, Michael A. Bolton, criticized the way the Capitol Police prepared for and responded to the mob violence on January 6th. The report was reviewed by the New York Times and will be the subject of a Capitol Hill hearing on Thursday. So they apparently had a hearing already today about it. Mr. Bolton found that the agency's leaders failed to adequately prepare despite explicit warnings that, and this is, of course, the propaganda part, bro-Trump extremists posed a threat to law enforcement and civilians and that the police used defective protective equipment. He also found the leaders ordered their civil disturbance unit to refrain from using its most powerful crowd control tools like stun grenades to put down the onslaught. But they weren't pro-Trump extremists. They were Antifa uh, dressed up as Trump supporters. I mean, this was so blatant at the time, Michael. I mean, it's just a we have a garbage news today. It's all propaganda 24-7. There's hardly a word of truth in anything you get from the mainstream anymore. And by the way, we are coming to a close very soon here. I don't want to take up too much of your time, Jim. I know we started kind of late. So, you know, I do thank you for hanging around and uh, spending some time with us and our listeners here and Mona, you too. I know we had a bit of a, a miscommunication. It, it, the message got lost in translation, as they say, but here we are and we've been having a fun conversation. And yes, Jim, the news, the U.S. Capitol Police officer has been cleared of any wrongdoing in the fatal shooting of that Air Force veteran, Ashley Babbitt, I believe her name was. Well, let me talk about that. Sure. Because I have a, I have a video. Uh, actually, it's 21 minutes where they show the crowd rushing up to the steps and you have people who are managing and directing the members of the crowd and right, follows right. up into the Capitol where Ashley Babbitt is climbing through the window. Now, here's what's crucial. She's nowhere near this guy who allegedly shoots her. And when he fires at her, no one in the crowd even flinches, Michael. There's no ducking for cover. There's no surprise. It's as though it were all staged. And I submit it's as though it were staged because it was staged. She's gently laid on the ground. There's no apparent blood. We actually see her given a little packet of fake blood just before she... Uh, uh, lies on the ground. Uh, there's no EMT to give her medical attention. She's actually eventually taken out, being carried by her feet and by her shoulders, which, of course, is completely in inappropriate. There's no telling how much aggravation of a wound civilians can do. This should only be done by medical experts. But it didn't happen because the whole thing was staged. This was so they could talk about the Capitol assault as having been deadly. This is all for public relations, all for publicity, the deadly attack, which we now was orchestrated. And because Nancy Pelosi is in charge of the Capitol Police, the only authority who could have told them to stand down and to allow the rioters enter, which they did, was Nancy Pelosi. Let's say that this did happen, however, and she did get shot. You know, a lot of people were saying, why aren't they releasing the, the police officer's name? Uh, you know, I saw that on television. I saw people writing that online. Uh, to be honest with you, though, Jim, if somebody was breaking into my house and, uh, you know, I am armed, you know, I'm not going to really hesitate to, you know, fire off a warning. You know, I'm going to I'm going to try my best to go for the kill, to be honest. I'm not going to lie to you about that. 
Michael, mm-hmm. that's talking about breaking into your house. You have of every course. right. This is a Capitol building. I'm just saying. It's I'm just saying. Yeah, and you're completely right your stage. stance, but the situation involving her in the Capitol is completely different. Oh, I know. I'm just and saying, law though. Enforcement, uh, law enforcement officers sure. are not entitled to shoot unless they're facing the potential of grievous bodily harm. She wasn't even in the hallway where this officer was standing. I guarantee you this was totally fraudulent, totally fake. What were we going to say, Mona? Go ahead. The whole thing was staged. It was staged? Mm-hmm. That's that's what they said in that report. It does seem orchestrated. I'll give you that. That's what they said. It was a it was a pre uh, orchestrated event. It definitely was. How, how I think uh, the uh, article went. Yeah, because you know we did see them moving the barriers, uh, the security there. You know, you did see them doing all that. It's a little odd. Mm-hmm. And not just not just the uh, security officer who led the crowd away from Nancy Pelosi and the other. Uh, the other people that were there, not that guy. Mm-hmm. We saw mm-hmm. other people uh, also involved in that. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird yeah, situation. Was odd. It was very yeah. weird. I, I don't know what to make of it, Jim, but um, someone is going to get in trouble for sure. And then, of course, it's going to get covered up and we will never know what truly happened. Someone dropped well, the ball. Well, they, have the arre- they have arrested 100%, 100% they have certainty. Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, is in charge of the Capitol Police. This is a Nancy Pelosi scheme to tarnish Trump and to create a publicity bonanza to benefit the Democrats. And it was all orchestrated, all staged. Trump and his supporters had nothing to do with it. Zilch, zero, nada, nothing at all. Mona, your rebuttal. Nothing. Well, it was bad timing for Trump to have all of his supporters go up to the Capitol on that day. That seems kind of fishy. I just, I don't, you know, I just don't trust Trump. I think he's all, he's part of the whole thing. Mona's saying she doesn't trust Trump? Yeah, well, you Trump. know that. I, have, I haven't trusted him forever. You and Alex Trump Jones had, now. Trump had nothing yeah. to do with this event at the Capitol. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Totally ridiculous. Amazing. But yes, um, very interesting situation that we did see, uh, whether staged or not, it was a hell of a scene. Uh, who would have thought we would see that in our, in our lifetimes, right? <laughs> to be it's honest, crazy. it was wild. Crazy. It, it, was, it was a, they, they're using Hollywood script writers, Michael, this mm-hmm. whole thing. The Democratic Party has gone all fake, all phony, 100% of the time. I'm sure you're aware the inauguration was pre-recorded. That was not a live event. Yes. It wasn't even, it, the timing was even off. I was paying close attention going back and forth between the what was being broadcast and the actual timing, and it was too early. It was uh, 10 minutes before noon, which meant it was during the Trump administration, which meant it wasn't even legally valid. Turns out the pre-recorded inauguration had been released or accessed in Spain seven hours earlier. I have a friend who was switching channels, and when she switched channels, she saw different parts of the inauguration on different channels when it was all supposed to be broadcast in real time, which would have made that outcome impossible. We have a woman in pink and a woman in white who now they're in one position, now they're in another without having moved. We had Jill shoes from tan to blue to tan. Here's further confirmation, by the way, that this is the body double. 
uh, uh, when he's being sworn in, Jan is Jill isn't even looking at him. That's preposterous. She so adored Joe Biden, the idea that at the absolute apex of his career, when he's being sworn in as president of the United States, that she wouldn't be looking at him with adoration. She's not looking at him at all. Plus, no one in Washington saw the spectacular fireworks display with which it concluded it didn't happen. This was all Hollywood. Amazing stuff. Well, Jim and... I believe it. Yes, and uh, Mona, you know, I do appreciate both of your your time here. It's been a fun show. And Mona, we will start with you first as we close here. Any final thoughts and opinions, uh, Mona, before we cut you loose? Well, it's a crazy time. And I think that, um, I think an important thing to do is to just look, you know, look in all directions and see what's going on. Don't just focus on one side. If you look everywhere, I think you can pretty well get a good picture of what's going on and, you know, look outside of your door also. (laughs) Right. Um, But I think the important thing for me, at least, I don't know for everyone else, is my freedom. You know, I don't want to be locked down um, every move that I make um, being told what to do. I just don't want to live that life. I'm not a child anymore. So I, I think that's what I'm fighting for is freedom and that's and truth, of course. And I think freedom and truth go together. Absolutely. But that, that's about it. Thank you for having me on your show. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, it was thanks nice for hanging out with you again. Dr. Fetzer, it's been a while. Well, it's wonderful to be on with you, Mona. I'm such a fan. You do such excellent work. I just say, Michael, if anyone wants to follow, I'm doing daily news reports about domestic politics and foreign affairs on a show called Need to Know, five days a week. I'm doing multiplicity of other shows, so I've got 11 shows I'm doing every single week, plus other interviews like this show. In addition, you can find them all on my BitChute channel, Jim Fetzer. Uh, I'm also on Telegram at t.me slash Jim Fetzer News. And, of course, my blog at jamesfetzer.org. But let me reiterate, you can go to falseflightconspiracies2020.com and you can download 24 really good presentations. I brought together excellent people on all these issues down to your desktop for free, no charge whatsoever. Check them out. Remember, uh, uh, the secret of freedom is educating the people. The secret of tyranny is keeping them ignorant. Very nice. Once again, thank you both for being a part of the program. We will do this again on the other side. Good night, both of you. Thank you, Michael. And there they go, boys and girls. That was Mona Alexis Presley. And, of course, yours truly, the Free Train. I want to thank both of them very much for being a part of the program and all of you out there for pressing play. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place and life itself is a mystery. Until next time.